Why do we work hard to solve small problems? Why do we reinvent ourselves and our clients over and over? And why are we giving away marketing strategy for free? It's time to bring home bigger paychecks. It's time to create the lifestyle we deserve and to make a greater impact. This is the Fractional CMO Show, and I'm Casey Stanton. Join me as we explore this growing industry and learn to solve bigger problems. Hey, it's Casey here, and welcome back to another episode of the Fractional CMO Show. In this episode, I want to talk about what solving bigger problems is actually like, like the day-to-day, the thing that you got to do to actually solve bigger problems. Okay, so why bigger problems? I think you know the answer. Because the bigger the problem that you solve, the bigger the impact and the bigger the paycheck. Okay, that's it. So like, why does McKinsey charge what it charges? Why does um, uh, Goldman Sachs charge what they charge? Well, because they focus on big problems. You know, I, I don't remember exactly what Goldman Sachs made on their information that they gave, you know, their, their consulting that they did for um, Silicon Valley Bank. I think it was like $150 million they made on their insights which is what caused Silicon Valley Bank to um, dispose of a bunch of their assets at a loss, which led to the bank run, which led to this banking crisis that we're kind of experiencing. And we're all a little like trepidatious about. Um, Why did uh, Goldman Sachs charge $150 million? Because the quality of the problem that they were solving was huge. They were solving an enormous problem for uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Now, You could argue that maybe their solution actually wasn't a good solution. Okay, maybe, maybe not. But regardless, they put themselves in a position to solve bigger problems. You don't think of McKinsey, Deloitte, um, and uh, Goldman Sachs as as consulting firms that solve small problems. You don't bring them in for small problems. You bring like ex-Deloitte employees in to do that kind of stuff. Right. But if you've if you've got the big stuff, I remember Mitt Romney said uh, back during his presidential election or his presidential campaign, he said, if I'm elected, like the first thing I'm going to do is bring McKinsey in or I'm going to bring Bain in. He probably said Bain um, to do some problem solving on, on something specific. Like those are the biggest consulting firms. And he is you know, he wanted to bring them in to solve the problem. Why? Because they're known for solving big problems. Just like hold that as a model in your head, okay? Um, so what do you do about that? Well, you you too have to solve bigger problems. You have to get into a position where you're solving bigger problems. One way that you do that is you just stop solving small problems uh, yourself. And you can do that by hiring someone. I'm a big believer that if you're going to be a fractional CMO, if you are a fractional CMO, then you need to have a marketing technician that is your direct report. This is the person that does the stuff that you say to do. You say, hey, we got to go do this thing. Uh, set up an email tool. Let's get this list. Let's clean it with this service. Let's go do this thing. Go ahead and do that. You know, you give them 15 minutes of instruction and then they go work for 40 hours to make that come true. Right? You need a technician to do that. That's like one immediate way that you can focus on solving bigger problems. The technician's job then is to say, oh, do I use MailerLite? Do I use Send in Blue? Um, should I use AutoClose? Should I use, um, you know, one of these other email tools, Woodpecker? Like, that's their job to figure it out. You say, I don't care. Just solve the problem the right way. So they're going to solve the problem by finding the tool that has the, that has the right technology behind it, maybe works in the right platform, right email inbox. Um, and then maybe they make a final decision based on price. And you say, cool, like, I trust you to, like, make a good decision. Just factor these things in. 
maybe as the CMO, you play with these two different uh, truths, which is like, I want it done right and quickly. And I also want it done like as inexpensively as I can, right? Like I, I never want to overpay for anything, right? That's not like your role isn't to overpay for stuff, but you have to kind of weigh the differences here. Do you want speed or do you want the lowest price? Sometimes the lowest price might take an extra month or two to find or to get to or to build the team out for, and you lost the opportunity and therefore that was the wrong move, right? This is, that's something you got to hold. Lowest price is not always um, the deciding factor for a strategy or a tactic or a campaign. It might be speed. So just hold on to that. So you have to have someone that you can delegate to as the CMO and they need to solve the small problems because the big problem first is you need to, you know, grow your client's business. The next big problem is you got to do it with a certain campaign that you ideated. And then the next big problem is who's going to do it. Um, I'm working on a, um, kind of a passion project on the side and I've got this, uh, this client that I'm volunteering with. And I came up with the idea that I wanted a, um, I wanted a course that people could take, uh, a free course and they're a nonprofit. Um, and it's a free course that I just wanted folks to take. I wanted to come, come to the website and take a free course. And everyone said, oh, I know what the topic of that free course should be. We hear it all the time. It's like, awesome, cool. Okay, so first of all, I know that a free course could get people in and it has a certain outcome. This is the big problem I'm solving. Free course is an opt-in, right? We capture the contact information. Then we give them a couple quick wins over the course of, let's say, three to five days. We give them a sense of community, giving them a, a feeling like, wow, I learned a lot about myself. I found my people. This is really great. What else is being offered? Like, that's that's the logical conversation I want um, these uh these, you know, folks to have when they come to the website and opt in and go through this course. And then at the end, I want the answer to be like, what else, you know, can I do? And then it's just like, buy all of our digital courses. Um, that's like the logical process that my brain went through when I studied the website and thought, how do I help get people bigger outcomes? How do I help people, you know, with the specific problem um, that the client addresses in, in their content? So we laid out um, that general strategy, okay, above the fold on the homepage, we're going to swap this video that's there with an opt-in, you know, like kind of basic, you know, funnel building stuff. But then the question was, what is the course on? And everyone said they, they, they knew what the answer was, right? They were like, oh, it's, it's relationships. That's what they said. Everyone said it's relationships. And um, it was easy for me to say like, okay, cool, relationships. Like, let's go with that. You know, I'm, I'm not... Um, uh, getting paid for this work, you know, I'm volunteering. It's just like, let's move it, you know, let's just move it on. But I just stopped for a moment. I said, you know, what if it's not relationships? Wouldn't that be a shame if we built a whole course out and we launched it and we did all this work all for us to be wrong? So how do we find the right answer? Well, obviously everyone on the team thinks that the answer is relationships, but I thought it could be something else. So what we did was we ran a um, Ryan Levesque style ask method bucket survey. Lots of words there. Don't know if you know him. Ryan Levesque, um, really killer marketer. Uh, and then he has the Ask Method, which is his New York Times bestselling book. And in it, he talks about the bucket survey. And in a bucket survey, you just ask a global question, which is, what's your number one struggle as it relates to X? And you get replies. So we sent a single email out with that and um, uh, just 
two, three questions in it. That uh, another question about if we had a course, what would you want it to be called? And the other one is what's your preferred format to consume content, audio, video, text, or a community forum. And uh, in one email to a pretty sizable list, we received um, a thousand, just shy of a thousand replies. Very active, very hungry list. And then we went through and we graded all of those answers. So people said, um, you know, whatever their answer was, they, they just gave their own answer. Um, and we went through and said, oh, what is this answer? Like, what bucket would you put this answer in? Um, and what we found was relationship, actually, I'm looking at it right now, um, was it's, it's one fifth of the magnitude of um, other categories. So relationship, let's say, uh, targets one in five people uh, on the list, but these other topics target, you know, five times more people. Um, most of the people fall into other topics and categories. So the idea here is that I aim to solve a bigger problem, which is to convert website traffic into opt-ins and then to get them through a short funnel to give them content and value so that they would want to purchase more from us, actually purchase something in the first place. And to do that, I wanted to just ask these people what their problem was. That's a huge problem I solved. Very simple to do. I mean, it was a Google form, three question survey, and then it's, I don't know, two hours of coding the answers to figure this out. And now we know definitively with a thousand replies what people want. And we could spend the next three or five years developing content around those themes uh, to support these folks. Huge problem that just got solved with that. And just think about how, how much of a waste it would have been if we instead just said, oh, it's relationships. You know? And it's not. It's just, it's just not. It's just not. There's things that are higher than relationships, uh, like five other categories that are higher. So, you know, like, that's what you have to do as a CMO. You have to step away from the immediate decision and you just have to think for a moment. And you, you have to like adopt this stoic negative visualization. Like what could go wrong if we do this? How could this be wrong? Where could I be um, uh, assuming something that I shouldn't assume? What I want you to think of it when you solve bigger problems is that I want you to globalize the problem that you're solving. This is like, kind of time and again, the answer is just to globalize. So for example, um, in this nonprofit, uh, they charge for courses and then they also have scholarships and each course that they release whenever they release them, let's say they release them every three months is they come up with a new kind of requirement for a scholarship. Who's going to come in for free. And it's just kind of a pain, you know, everyone was like kind of thinking through the, the calculus of how to um, qualify someone for a scholarship. So I just globalized that problem and said, okay, well, we now have, we now need to identify a role in the organization, which is the person who manages scholarships. And they have to have one process to follow. And all courses have to follow the exact same process for giving a scholarship. I mean, that, that's it, right? So it's, in this situation, it was a Google form, nothing fancy. It's a Google form. And every time we have a new course, someone goes to that Google form and they add that uh, course to a dropdown of what course the person is applying for. And then we ask a couple questions on it. And then there's a time to uh, receive all of those scholarship requests. And then there's a review and an approval process. And it is the same every single time. 
it's so simple, right? Like that answer is so simple, but just forcing that answer on the team, let them kind of release this tension around how do they handle scholarships? They never have to do it any other way ever again. Maybe there'll be small improvements over time, but now there's like a process for it. And why is there a process? Because I globalized the problem and solved the global problem, not the individual problem. So here's another one. Um, you know, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know that I really dislike laundry, but I, I, I love washing dishes. Yeah, very weird. <laughs> I see that uh, duality in myself. Uh, hate laundry. So, you know, before I had a solution, my solution was uh, um, spur the moment solutions. It was um, throwing in, you know, taking all the clothes into the laundry room and then like, you know, grabbing all the whites and tossing them in and uh, starting the load. And then two days later, remembering it and then pulling them out and having them smell sour. And like, that was the process for how I did it. Right. I never had a, a great process. I might develop a process for like a trip that we were going on, which is like, Oh, we're leaving in two days. I have to do these five things. Um, and one of those includes pulling all the laundry down, getting it all prepared and, um, uh, washing the clothes and, you know, setting timers on my phone or whatever. But that wasn't a global solution. That was just a spur of the moment kind of individual non-scalable solution. The scalable solution to that frustration in my life was just to hire a company that comes and picks up my laundry and then washes our laundry, folds it, puts it in bags and then drops it off the next day. That's the globalized solution. Yes, I can get marginally better. I can set up timers and alarms for laundry. I can make sure that I have detergent on auto ship. Those are all small solutions, but the globalized solution is just to never worry about it ever again. And I found that to work really well for us. So my question back to you is, where can you globalize a problem so that when you address it, you're solving it systemically and not solving it in its, you know, um, one of its many faces that, that will show over the course of the next month or the next year or your tenure with the client. So solve bigger problems is a daily commitment when you work with your clients. It is a lens that you look through. It's not enough to say, um, you know, what's the biggest problem and then just, you know, solve one or two of them for your client over the course of a quarter. I mean, it is that, but it's also just every single day looking at problems. You're listening um, with with a certain sense of um, curiosity around a um, executive saying something like, oh, we can't do that because of this thing. And you think, oh, okay, that's weird. Um, I don't like that. How do we solve that problem? So an executive says, oh, no, you can't have access to that. Uh, I'll manually see the email and I'll send it to you. You ever hear an executive say that? Like, that sucks. Right? You have to like wait for an executive to like check their email and then remember to like forward it to someone. That just a bunch of breakdown. How do you globalize to s solve that problem? You say, well, we should set up email rules and filters so that anytime an email like this happens, it goes to an inbox that everyone has shared access to. Similarly, I recorded an episode on creating a grow at email address. So you work for a client that's Acme Corp and you create a new email address called grow at acmecorp.com. And that email address is where all of your uh, activation and, uh, you know, tool notification, login, approval stuff goes to. Why? Because you don't want one person to be the key man or key woman or key person who holds access to all of the tools. Instead, you want the team to not rely on the individual and then just be more um, robust, be able to handle things when a key player is out because they're on vacation or uh, they're taking time off or you know they're sick or whatever. So you're solving these problems in a bigger way. 
That's what solve bigger problems is. It's, it's a globalized way to identify the biggest problem and solve it oftentimes for good or at least for a long time. And then maybe, you know, the problem persists and it comes back again in a different way and you have to solve it again. But the idea is that if you're focused on the biggest problems, you provide the most value. If you identify the most important KPIs for the business to track and you ensure that you identify who owns those KPIs and you drive those people to deliver on those KPIs week after week, month after month, quarter after quarter, you're going to grow that business faster with more predictability and less frustration and less busy work than if you were the person that kind of got in and did all the work alongside the technician that should be doing it in the first place. So give people big outcomes solve the biggest problems that you can find and just adopt this lens. You know, you have, most people have a lens for how do I do it as cheap as possible, which is a good lens to have, but also you should have a lens of how do I do it as fast as possible. And another lens of what's the biggest problem here that I'm identifying and how do I solve that systemically? So maybe these other small, you know, um, symptomatic problems just disappear. So that's your work. If you want to take like a to do on this, with your biggest client, think of the two or three biggest problems that they're facing and just like take an afternoon and just think through all the different ways that you could solve those problems. Do you hire a vendor? Do you hire an expert on Upwork for one hour? Um, do you use a tool? Do you just kill whatever part of the business is that's creating that problem in the first place? You know, I mean, sometimes you see businesses that have problems and the solution for it is just to no longer do the thing that creates the problem. You might lose some revenue, but if you lose revenue and headache, it might be worth it. So just think of all the different ways to solve two or three of your clients' biggest problems. Take the time to do it. Have the spaciousness to kind of consider the biggest problem, how you can solve it, and then go back to the client and just say, hey, I spent, spent some time thinking through this. I have this novel idea. What if we... And then whatever, whatever the thing is, what if we hired a Upworker um, uh, offshore for $10 an hour that could do this work for us? That would free up our full-time employees to do these other things. That might be a novel answer. What if we invest in this technology and instead of the team pulling manual reports, instead we had these reports generated automatically. That would save us, you know, 40 hours a month of labor. These are all things that I've seen uh, happen with... Um, a focus on solving bigger problems. So that's it. That's your job. That's your job forever. That's your job in business. Um, that's, that's probably your job in your personal life too. Uh, but just look for ways to solve bigger problems, have a commitment to it, and just put this as a lens in your back pocket and pull it out every single day when you work with clients. And we're just, when you're just looking for ways to create more ease and predictability um, moving forward. If you found this to be helpful, I've got a book all about this kind of stuff. Maybe you've read it, maybe not. Check it out cmox.co slash book. That's cmox.co slash book. And in my book, the number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Fractional CMO Method, I talk all about how you can attract, convert, and serve high-paying clients on your terms. That means bringing in clients that pay you well. They pay you $3,000, $5,000, $10,000, $15,000 a month or more, you know, with upside. Uh, and they're fun. They're like clients that you enjoy. They're a good culture fit for you. They get you, you get them. Uh, you enjoy going to work on Monday if you choose to work on Mondays um, and you solve big problems for them. They appreciate that leadership. They need that leader. It's just like the world, the economy right now is begging for leaders. There's just not enough leadership. If you want to step into that role as a leader, go grab a copy of my book. And if you want to chat with my team, you can book a call with them. CMOX.co slash call. 
cmox.co slash call. Book a no pressure 15 minute call with some of the gals on my team and they'll ask you a couple questions and see if we can help you. And if we can, then we'll tell you more about what we got going on. That's it. All right. All right. Hope you're well. Focus on solving bigger problems and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information and episodes, visit our site at fractionalcmoshow.com. Go ahead and punch that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot, at least to my mom. 